Hail and well met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wigan. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Games, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to simulate the arc and tension of a three-act story within the framework of a tabletop RPG. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. Have you ever picked up a book and read it, only to think, this is well written, but for some reason it just doesn't speak to me? Or how about this? Have you ever been a player in a D&D game, and thought, there's just something about this story, group, or setting that I don't really like, but I'm not entirely sure why? There's a little nugget about storytelling that I've recently become aware of. It's something that I've been discussing in detail with my wife, author Zoe Cannon. Check out her work at zoecannon.com. What we've been talking about is how some perfectly well-written and otherwise excellent work can just fall flat for an individual person. And we've mainly focused this discussion around genre fiction. Of course, by extension, I've been thinking about this in the context of tabletop RPGs as well, and I really think there's something there. See, all of us have a power fantasy. There's nothing weird about it, it's just part of the human experience. I think it's actually something that's most easily understood through the lens of computerized RPGs, and here's why. Single-player CRPGs, especially ones like Skyrim, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and others of their ilk, are a place where we are unconstricted by any kind of social boundaries. There are no human beings of whom we must be considerate, There is no real danger to ourselves or anyone else. There is only the freedom to make choices, utterly unconstrained by the boundaries required in real life. This often spills over into our tabletop RPG experience as well, but there we are at least somewhat bound by social convention, the approval of others, and the necessity to be even just a little bit okay so the group doesn't toss us out on our butt. It's really within the framework of a world which responds only to our input, that we can see the personal power fantasy at its fullest. So, think about the first time you played Skyrim, or Mass Effect, or Dragon Age. How did you play it? If you haven't ever played one of these games, no worries. I'll be using them as illustrative examples, but I'll do my best to require as little context as possible. I think my own personal power fantasy is best seen in the way that I played Mass Effect, the whole trilogy. For the uninitiated, this is a trilogy of computer RPGs where the player takes control of Shepard, a male or female character, depending on player choice, who is the pinnacle of human achievement, the first human to be accepted into a wider alien galactic society in which humanity is merely the young upstart. The only person in the galaxy, in fact, who sees a big apocalyptic threat coming, thanks to some lost alien technology, and the only one with the guts and the know-how to even have a chance at stopping it. Mass Effect is a pretty basic Chosen One-style fantasy, dressed up in sci-fi trappings, but it works. Oh, does it work. It has an amazing cast of side characters, all with different personalities, who you might feel drawn to, depending on who you are. Characters that change throughout the series, and who at times genuinely feel about as real as fictional characters can. One of the things that Mass Effect introduced to the genre was the idea of making moral choices throughout gameplay or rather, not necessarily introduced, but extrapolated from the Star Wars formula of light side and dark side choices. 
Shepard can either be a paragon, making right and just choices, or a renegade, where the idea is that Shepard is more evil. Because of the requirements of the story, of course, and the limitations of computers in that all actions must be accounted for in advance, the choice between Paragon and Renegade ends up being more like good guy versus jackass instead of good versus evil. Renegade Shepard is ruthless to her enemies and definitely doesn't like aliens much, but makes exceptions for her friends. Paragon Shepard is just an all-around cool guy, who definitely does not punch annoying reporters in the face, repeatedly. The first time I played Mass Effect 1 and 2, I played as a Paragon Shepard. It was fine. When Mass Effect 3 was on the way, I decided to replay the games, from the beginning, for context. And so I made another Shepard, and this time resolved to play the Renegade side, to see the rest of the dialogue and content, you understand. Most of Renegade Shepard's choices I was kinda surprisingly okay with. Ruthlessness to the enemies of the galaxy? Yeah, let's go for it. Take them down and don't let them get back up. Telling the Galactic Council to get stuffed? Sweet, let's bloody the nose of overbearing authority in the name of getting things done. But then, spoiler alert, actively allowing the Galactic Council to die so that we can force install humans in important positions and effect a coup on the entire Galactic Order in the name of Humanity Ascendant? Gulp. Yeah, I didn't pick that one. Why? Wrong power fantasy. Ethno-nationalism doesn't feature in mine, and neither does letting innocents, even annoying ones, die for my own convenience. And frankly, the choice made me kinda sick to my stomach. I looked at the Paragon and Renegade choices like the dude in the red button meme, sweat boring. I had decided to choose the Renegade options to see the other dialogue, I reminded myself. And yet, I just could not pick that one. In the end, my second Shepherd ended up about 70% Renegade. She struck hard and fast at anyone who threatened what she thought was right, and she often didn't agree with authority, but she despised all authority equally. Government bureaucrats were useless gas bags whether they were humans or aliens, and generally nobody was fast enough to stop her doing what she thought was right. She was never xenophobic, enjoying good relationships with all the people on her team, and had a bromance with Garrus Vicarian, an alien cop turned deadly sniper assassin with a heart of purest, purest gold. So epic that it still stands out as something akin to a real friendship in my mind. The point here is that by giving myself permission to make the bad choices, by going renegade, and then finding my own personal lines that I would not cross, is that this playthrough of Mass Effect ended up feeling like an authentic representation of myself and the choices I might make in the situation. My own personalized power fantasy. Skyrim is another good example. Again, for the uninitiated, Imagine a vast, vaguely Norse-inspired world where you essentially have total freedom about what to do and where to go. There's an overarching story, sure, but you can totally ignore it if you want. Occasionally, dragons show up to wreck stuff. There's boundless exploration and intrigue to discover hiding all over the place. You can seek to become the Archmage of the Wizard's College, the greatest bard in all the land, help one side or the other win a civil war, there's just so much to do. In the Skyrim playthrough that I actually finished was just a dude with a sword. He wandered the land of Skyrim, helping those in need. Due to his local Nord heritage, he ended up helping the rebels in the Civil War, and then massively regretting it later. He embraced his destiny as the Dragonborn, a sort of chosen one who can yell particularly loudly, 
and eventually completed the game by defeating the final boss. I spent the vast majority of my time in Skyrim wandering around and looking for people to help. The Dark Brotherhood assassins? Not interested. Thieves Guild? Nope. If someone raised their blade to me, I would put them down without mercy, but otherwise I just sort of knight-errated throughout the whole game, and it made me happy. It turns out, that's my power fantasy. Give me unlimited time and resources, and I'll just wander around trying to help those who need it. Probably not a great idea to get in my way, or try to stop me, if there are basically zero repercussions, and I think I'm right, but otherwise, pretty chill. There are so many different ways to play these games, and so many different choices you can make. I'll bet that no two people make exactly the same set of choices, given enough options. In fact, Skyrim is so vast that if it were possible to interpret save data, you might be able to get something akin to a fingerprint out of it. Something unique to each individual, with no two exactly alike. This concept of the power fantasy extends to other forms of entertainment as well. If your personal power fantasy is like mine, where you just kind of want to help people and wreak havoc on the guilty, a book where the protagonist knowingly allies themselves with the guilty for their own personal gain has to be extra good in order to keep me reading it. And, perhaps most salient to the existence of the podcast you're listening to right now, this is something which very much applies to your tabletop RPG gaming as well. If you're a player, you've got your own core ideas on what kind of game and experience you want to have, even if you've never really thought about it. If you're a GM, you've got a group of three to five people, or more, around your table, who all have different ideas about what will really speak to them and draw out their best interest and attention. So on this subject, there's an important thing we need to realize. Modern D&D, and its extended family from D&D 3.0 to present, caters to one specific kind of power fantasy. For all the different stories you want to tell, for everything you can do with these games by hacking them a little and changing things around, the core mechanics all focus on one thing. This is what I've previously referred to as the arc of D&D. Regardless of whether you level via XP or milestones, you and a group of friends are very good at killing things. You kill things in opposition to get better at killing things, and use that progression in order to kill bigger and badder things until you are the greatest killers of all. You build up in order to face legendary threats, dragons, gods, titans, on their own terms, and then defeat them so that your character can reach the pinnacle of their killing ability. Think I'm wrong? Look at all of the class abilities, look at all the spells. The vast majority of the rules point this way. I'm not talking about what you personally do with D&D here. I'm talking about what the game mechanics are driving at. Now, overcoming your opposition with lethal force is probably one of the quintessential human power fantasies. No denying that. It's not just that which makes the D&D power fantasy so specific. It's the progression of power until you are standing toe-to-toe with epic and multiverse-spanning creatures, and engaging them on their terms. It's epic in the most literal sense of the term. It's a game about legends, and there's a good reason for those to exist. Likewise, the Dragonborn from Skyrim is a legend. Commander Shepard is a legend, no doubt about it. Even the Grey Warden from Dragon Age Origins is a legend, although on a slightly less epic scale. So here's the rub. That particular legendary arc doesn't necessarily appeal to every player. 
A certain player may find low-level play fun, but start to lose interest as the power level gets higher and higher. Because always being able to match the power level of what you're fighting isn't what gets them engaged. They may prefer the feeling of being an underdog, or even a normal person, triumphing over greater adversity, using cunning and ingenuity in tactics, something that D&D has to be tweaked in order to provide. Or maybe their personal fantasy involves being able to outwit everyone in the room and bypass blundering fools in every situation with their own sheer competence. Again, possible to provide that experience in D&D, but not really supported by the rules. For me, I found those legendary arcs in Skyrim and Mass Effect and Dragon Age fun, but none of them quite click with me. Dragon Age Origins is closest. The feeling is more grounded, the deeds less epic. Mass Effect 1 and 2 are very grounded and very personal. The epic final battle in Mass Effect 3 left me feeling a bit underwhelmed, even before the infamous ending debacle. Skyrim is a lot of fun for me when I'm just randomly wandering the world, the epic Dragonborn arc doesn't quite do it. I find the same things lacking in high-level D&D. It's just, well, it's just not my favorite. I can certainly enjoy it with a good group, but I prefer something more grounded, something more dramatic, something more emotional, than the treadmill of killing larger and larger things in order to kill larger and larger things. I'm more of an underdog type myself. I'd rather be outclassed and at high risk and have to make my way through with skill and smarts and luck, which I think is why I like Joe Abercrombie's Logan Ninefingers, from his first Law trilogy, just so gosh darn much. Logan's possibly the most infamous killer of his time, and yet, making it through another fight always seems like there's a good helping of luck to it, even though he's a primary protagonist, and probably isn't going to die during the course of the story about him. I really like Geralt the Witcher, too. I liked him from his books and stories where he's just kind of a guy with a few special powers, but he uses those in very smart ways to do dangerous and daring things. When I played The Witcher 3, my Geralt was generally an okay guy. He didn't exploit the downtrodden. He almost never negotiated contracts with peasants, but would always argue for a few more orins from a rich man. When it came to combat, I almost felt resignation, like, oh, okay, we're doing this again. Since you give me no choice, I'm going to utterly destroy you now and, with his close friends and associates, and anyone else who could earn even the slightest bit of genuine feeling from me, loyalty, honor, and compassion above all else. It's just how I roll, apparently. So my question for you this week is this. What's your personal power fantasy? Again, nothing weird here. Think about the way you play your tabletop RPG games. If you've played an open-ended or choice-heavy CRPG, like the ones I've mentioned, Think about the way you played it. How did you treat the NPCs, both allies and enemies? What did you do about the primary story arc? What were the choices that you made when you were free of any considerations other than your own mind? When there was no one there to judge, when it was just you and an unfeeling machine accepting whatever choice of the available options that you selected. If you figure it out and want to share, tweet us at TumbleDye. I'd love to share your answers in a shout-out during a future episode. That would be cool. Go forth and do what thou wilt. Thanks so much for joining me today. Before we go, one quick thing. If you're enjoying Threat Dice, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, on Podchaser, or tweet us at TumbleDye. I'll read any reviews into the announcements on the next session. We'd love to hear from you. 
Until next time, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of TumbleDye Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vincefept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vincefept, V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Additional music by Andre Sitkov and Andy Ray. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. You should laugh every moment you live, for you'll find it decidedly difficult afterwards. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.